Joe's and Spurs Cast, episode 628. My name is Paul Garcia, and I'm your host here on the Spurs Cast. Today I'll be joined by Project Spurs writer Colin Reed. In this episode, Colin and I will discuss Chandler Hutchinson being waived by the Spurs, Keita Bates' job, re-signing with the team, and other roster moves the team still needs to make. Let's go to get this episode started. Colin, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing very well myself. You know, we're, we're here in the uh, doldrums of the offseason, but, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, training camp is, is on its way. It's early September, and just, you know, I think it's September 28th, all the training camp starts, so it's, it's getting here pretty soon here uh, in the next few weeks for the Spurs. All right, Colin, let's go ahead and get, uh, kick off this episode going through our first topic, and that is the Spurs waving Chandler Hutchinson. Um, this is very much, I would say, almost like an expected move. This wasn't too surprising. Uh, you know, we've discussed the, this kind of move probably coming um, several times on the Spurs cast. Uh, Hutchinson was waived, though, on, on Saturday. Um, he, the Spurs will have his $4 million salary on their books for this coming season. And then right after he got waived by the Spurs, right, right once he cleared waivers, the, the Phoenix Suns actually signed him to a two-way contract. So um, just give me your, your, your initial thoughts of you know Hutchinson being waived, and this is, um, this is kind of what you expected. Yeah, so I don't think this is unexpected for sure. I think what's interesting is kind of like you said, we're in the doldrums of the offseason. You know, uh, free agency was over a month ago at this point. And um, the season, I mean, free agency, or sorry, um, training camp starts up later this month. Mm -hmm. But it's just a very interesting time where the Spurs have been kind of active in terms of transactions in this Mm -hmm. very interesting, like, randomly early in September, which is just something you wouldn't expect. Um, It seems like the fact that they waited this long to waive him, that maybe they were kind of trying to make a decision on it. Maybe they were negotiating with Bates Diop about what kind of contract he'd be willing to take. And I know we're going to talk about that next. It's just very interesting. It almost seems like like they were kind of waiting for some dominoes to fall. And this isn't the last one either. They still need to waive a player, if I'm not mistaken. So it's definitely a situation where, um, yeah, there, there's more dominoes to fall, but it definitely seemed like they were waiting for one to fall before the other did. So. That, that's interesting. So I hadn't honestly thought about that. How about how, how you're right, though? I mean, the, the transactions came really quickly, right? One after the other, like like you're saying, like dominoes falling here. So, yeah, that, that was interesting. The fact that, you know, they waive Hutchinson, who they probably couldn't find a trade for, considering he's been coming off, um, you know, injury, injury riddled seasons. And also he really hasn't, um, you know, been um, uh, going up to expectations uh, for from where he was drafted a few years ago. And then also, you know, right after that, you know, they end up signing uh, Bates' job. So let's go ahead and jump right into that second topic, and that is the Spurs re-signing Keita Bates' job. This one, in a way, is kind of surprising. I, I was maybe expecting him to return on a two-way contract, but instead, you know, earlier this week, uh, uh, Woj breaks that, um, you know, breaks the news that Bates' job re-signed for, for two years. And so we we have gotten some deals, I mean, some... Um, some notes now that uh, that Bates Job has officially signed his deal. According to Keith Smith of Spotrack, um, Bates Job did sign a, a two-year deal for the veteran minimum uh, for each year. Next season is a non-guaranteed deal as long as the Spurs don't have him on the roster past October 17, 2022. Uh, and this, you know, offers continued, um, you know, cap flexibility in the event that the Spurs do want to open up some cap space next offseason. They now have Bates Job. They have um, Trey Jones. They have Drew Eubanks. And I think Zach Collins all on non-guaranteed deals. So they could, you know, become a cap space team if they want to next off season what this does to the team in terms of, of, of roster numbers um the spurs now have 17 players on guaranteed contracts and that means like you like you mentioned right now colin that this, the team needs to to um either waive or trade two play, 
two players to get the roster down to 15 players and two two-way players by October 18th, which necessarily isn't training camp or the preseason, but it's right before the regular season begins. So right now, uh, their total roster count is uh, up to 18 players with Bates' job back, and um, the Spurs can still invite up to two players uh, for training camp when that kicks off on September 28th. Uh, so here's my question. You know, wh- What were your thoughts on this signing, the, the fact that they didn't just give him a two-way contract, they actually gave him a full two-year uh, NBA deal? What, what are your thoughts there? So that is pretty interesting. Um, I think I was surprised to see that that he got a guaranteed uh, contract, and especially one for the like full roster and not a two A, like you mm-hmm. said. I think what's kind of interesting about that is um, I know that another topic we're going to talk about later is Aminu, and I, I I almost wonder if that has any bearing on that because maybe they're just kind of shoring up that end of the bench rotation, and so I'm trying to think like because they need to waive a couple of players and that end of bench rotation is kind of um, not set in stone yet because of that. Mm-hmm. Maybe they just realized, okay, a one year veteran minimum guaranteed. The next year is non guaranteed. Like really you can't get better at that in terms of a price and they can kind of solidly lock in someone uh, in one of those like third string lineup type of things. I don't know if they have a whole lot of um, expectations for him playing a lot this season, but it's always good to have a lot of like bodies willing to play throughout the season because there are going to be games where five players are missing randomly or something like that, or, or, you know, rest or something. So at the price point, I think it makes sense to kind of solidify that end of the rotation um, or kind of end of the bench um, kind of group there. Yeah, and I agree with you too. Um, you know, kind of where his role is going to be, it's going to be more so. I would say like in that third string kind of lineup, where um, you know, he's not he's not necessarily a starter. He's not going to be a, a player on the second unit on, on a night to night basis. But like you said, you know, if, if somebody goes down with injury or there's a few players out, he he can be there as a player can step in. Also, um, you know, he's he's known for his defense uh, at, at this point in his career. So maybe Coach Pop wants to put him as a defender against a certain matchup, or if in case somebody gets in foul trouble. So again, I do see him more so like on that third string, kind of like what you were saying there. Now, I did have an interesting question because I read. Jeff McDonald of the um, Express News' um, article on, on Bates' job resigning, and he actually talked to Bates' job and got a few quotes from Bates' job. But Jeff, in his writing, made it almost seem like as if, even though it's a guaranteed contract in year one, it almost seems like he's still trying to make the team. I, I feel like because they gave him a fully guaranteed um, salary that that his spot is pretty safe. But what are your thoughts? The fact that Jeff uh, mentioned in that article that you know that he's tr- still trying to make it uh, for the you know make it through the, the preseason to, to get to get a roster spot. What are your thoughts there? Do you think he's, he's more safe, or he might be one of the players who ends up getting waived, even though he is getting paid uh, a full guaranteed salary? That is that is interesting um, because I'm trying to think of what the point would be for the Spurs side, you know, and maybe they're kind of looking at it. Um, like they, they brought this guy in, um, he was in the system for a year. They, they like who he is as a person and they're hoping to keep him around, but if it doesn't work out, they can kind of give him kind of a payday for this year. I, I kind of as a favor type of thing. And, and I mean, obviously that's, that's good for him if, if he is competing for a roster spot to get guaranteed money for this season, but it is a little bit confusing to me what the Spurs objective would be if he wasn't kind of secure in his role other than maybe just kind of doing him a favor saying, you know, we liked you in the system. We want to bring you back, but if it doesn't work out, you know, we're not real. I mean, the Spurs really aren't going to be using (laughs) that, that money for anything else at this point. This is kind of going to be an interesting season and that's going to be shown with, I think some of the other roster cuts here, but um, yeah, I, I think 
that doesn't make a ton of sense to me as the Spurs, other than kind of just like giving him some guaranteed money if he does get cut because they kind of liked who he was in their system. Okay, yeah, so, so same here. You know, I mean, again, it, because it's for the veteran minimum, you, you could maybe see see them waving waving him if he, if he you know if they need to trim the roster down. But again, I really feel like he's one of the players who, who just because of the kind of deal that they just gave him guaranteed money here, um, that I do feel like it's it's more of a, a safer option for him to stay on the team. That that's the most likely uh, option. But again, we'll see what happens in, in training camp. So that's again interesting that that Jeff uh, McDonald noted that in, in his article over on the Express News. All right, so Keita uh, Bates' job is back. So that means, like we mentioned, that the roster now has 17 players and the Spurs do need to either waive or trade two players before October 18th or by October 18th is that deadline. And so that does mean, like you said, Colin, dominoes will have to fall where there's going to have to still be some more roster moves from now until October. Uh, uh, yeah, like I said, October 18th. And so obviously, you know, week after week, we continue to discuss here on the Spurs cast and over on our, on our side, Project Spurs, uh, about Thaddeus Young and Al Farouk Amino. Again, the reason why we continue to bring these two players up is because of their situation. They're very much like where Chandler Hutchinson was. You know, they're they're on the final year of their deals. They are they're veteran players. They're they're going to be, um, yeah, like I said, free agents next offseason. They, they also have no experience with the team. So, you know, they're, they're going to be, I know that these these two players are more veteran players who could, who could really help you. But again, you know, long-term goals, I don't think the Spurs are going to want to uh, have these two players and and, and in the case of young he could probably get the spurs either like a first round pick or maybe um you know se- several seconds so that's why he has a lot more trade value and then amino it's interesting to watch because we don't know what his trade value is because he really hasn't you know uh, been an, an impactful player in the last few seasons so let's first begin with thaddeus young and his situation colin um you know he, he is going to get he, he has a 14.1 million dollar contract coming up this for this season where, where the, he's in the final year of his deal like i mentioned he has been linked to the suns and Cavs as having interest in him the problem, though, as I've discussed uh, last week on, on the Spurs cast, is that you know if the Spurs were to trade with the Suns or the Cavs, they have to take back contracts in order to, to move Young to those teams. And that becomes a problem because then they're kind of right where they're at right now, where they're going to be in that same situation where they're stuck saying, you know, who, who do we wave these, do we wave these players or do we, do we trade them to another team? So it's kind of like ending up in the same place. Now, there are some teams that are interesting. These are what I'm calling the trade exception teams. These these specific teams that I'm about to name have large enough trade exceptions to absorb uh, young salary where the Spurs can maybe take back picks for, for him but not have to take back actual players with contracts. So these are the Boston Celtics who, if they did this, they would put them in the luxury tax. The New Orleans Pelicans who are interesting because even if they absorb Young's contract, they would still be safe in terms of being $7.2 million away from the tax. The Orlando Magic... Uh, who would also be pretty safe, being um, $8.7 million away from the tax. And um, uh, and then also there's the Oklahoma City Thunder, who who don't have a trade exception, but they do have a lot of cap space that they can open up. They ha- they can open up up to $32.6 million. Actually, yeah, if they did actually uh, re- uh, you know get rid of those trade exceptions, they could open up $32.6 million to take in um, a Young. Now, again, I think the Celtics are, um, you know, we, may, we might be able to write them off just because, again, they would have to de- determine if they want to go to the tax to get Young. The Magic, you know, they're a young develop- developing team like the Spurs, so maybe they don't want a veteran on their team. And then same thing for the Thunder. If, if the Spurs were, were going to have to trade Young to the Thunder, I think that the, the Thunder would be the team that wants to say, okay, well, no, you need to give us assets to take Young's contract. So I don't think that that, that would happen. So that makes the Pelicans interesting, Colin. What are your thoughts about if, again, we're not reporting this, we're just having an open discussion. What if New Orleans tried to go after Young uh, by, by, use, by taking him into their trade exception, considering this is a team that needs to be competitive and try to get into the playoffs you know, to try to keep uh, Zion Williamson happy and just kind of keeping that, that organization afloat? What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, that, that would certainly be interesting. I don't off the top of my head remember kind of what draft capital they have going forward. Uh, I mean, I know that they got mm-hmm. a lot from the – actually, no, they should still have quite a bit because they got a lot in the Anthony Davis trade, and then they had um, – well, I think they gave up a pick in this offseason uh, to get Devian Graham. But I'm trying to think what else 
Yeah, I mean, they, they would have a good amount of picks, I think, and obviously they would need to send something out for the Spurs because, to me, I so I was looking at the roster, and, and man, the players look... Uh, it's really tight in terms of how are the Spurs going to get down to 15. Yes. <laughs> but in my personal opinion, in a perfect world, this might not be able to happen. Um, I think that the best case scenario would be for the Spurs to take it into the season with Thad Young, just because he is a good player. And I think that you would rather try to create a bidding war with contenders who could use a player like him around the trade deadline than trade him now just to shed a roster spot. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I guess they could trade him to a team who would have to send uh, back money in cap, but then send Jop with them. I, I don't like there's just I, I would just rather the Spurs take it into the season if I were trying to think of the best way for this deal to go. But I think if they were going to make it in the offseason, the Pelicans are a really interesting partner that I hadn't thought of. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that one makes the most sense in terms of just kind of clearing a roster spot. The first Sunday of the NFL season is here. And the excitement continues with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. DraftKings is giving all new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Bet just $1 on any football game this weekend and receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet at least $1 on any football game. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That's promo code TBPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Yeah, and so okay, so I hadn't looked at their draft, what they have in terms of draft assets. In terms of first round picks, you're right. I mean, they have they have they have a lot of swaps going on uh, from now until about like 2027. Uh, different swaps. So they do have they they do on their pick though uh, in the, in the first. It's just that there's a mm-hmm. bunch of swaps going on, and then in the second round picks as well. You know, they're they're all over the place. They don't start getting their own until about um you know 2026, I believe. So yeah, so that's interesting to watch. Now here here's a good question because you just you just maybe think of something here. Uh, let's just let's just go with that scenario that you just mentioned. Let's just say the Spurs do keep Thaddeus Young and they take him into the season so that you know maybe they're going to trade him in february or march whenever the trade deadline is now with that happening let's assume they either trade a minu or um waive him so then who's here's and just again in this hypothetical who's the other player that gets waived then in the situation where they keep young hmm, i i i think i mean like i think that's the the instance where uh bates diop is saying like okay he got his guaranteed money but he's he's not on the roster you know um okay. because that's that's the i mean to me, like if I'm if I'm removing myself emotionally from the situation, just in terms of like what the Spurs culture would think, I just it's hard for them to part with someone like Drew Eubanks, who they really kind of mm-hmm. in this way, like they they're they're fine with parting with someone like Drew Eubanks because he got a pay raise or another team really loved him, but like just sort of someone they brought up in their own system, someone who's kind of done everything that they've wanted him to do and has just grown 
in San Antonio, I think that the Spurs kind of make emotional ties with players like that. And it would be weird for them just to cut him. But if I were to like remove myself from the Spurs ethos, I think that Drew Eubanks would be a good option. I just don't think the Spurs are an organization that would do that without maybe trying to move him to a team where he had more opportunities. Like, yeah, I, I, that's, that's really difficult because that young, like that young and Aminu are the two easiest ones to figure out like, okay, they're gone and their roster is perfect and it makes sense. Yeah. But I just, I, I like trying to get some sort of like young, intriguing player plus a late first round pick at the trade deadline for Thad young is just, I feel like the best case scenario here. And, um, that that's what I feel like would be better for the Spurs if they could take it into the season. And I almost don't want them to like make a trade now to lose that ability later. So like, it really is hard because I don't know who the Spurs would be willing to give up. But like yeah. when I'm trying to think of transactional based and like, what's the best front office move taking out any of the human element, it's really taking that young into the season and trying to create a bidding war over him. But the human element is a part of it. And I just can't see the Spurs waving Drew Eubanks and not mm-hmm. helping them out in some way. Yeah, if that was the case, where like like you said, you know, they they were going to keep young until the actual trade deadline um, later on in the season to try to get the you know the best possible trade package for him. Then I I also agree with you. I, I don't know if they would release Drew Eubanks though. He's in a, he's in a tough position because again he has Jock Landale there now. When when Zach Collins gets healthy, he's there, and then you still got Jakob Pertl there at the five where he normally plays, or even at the four. There's a bunch of players at that position as well. So again, it would for for me. I I just think again. I'm just giving my thoughts here that I think it would either be Eubanks or or Bates Job who they would have to make a determination on. In the event that they they were going to um, keep Young going into you know trying try to trying to get the best trade package for him uh, closer to the trade deadline, so again that's kind of an interesting question. You know, it's, it's a scenario to watch is if they do keep Young for for the se- to start the season, you know, one of these these players who's who, who's more attached to the team like like Drew Eubanks or or a guy who just got a new contract and and Keita Bates' job might end up you know getting waived in that in that kind of scenario. And so now let's talk about the other player who, who really hasn't got a lot of mention. Although it almost feels like he, he may not be on the team going into the into the regular season, to, you know whether he gets waived or, or traded, and that's Alfaruk Aminu because again he's very much like Young and how and kind of like where Chandler Parsons were. Well, I mean not Chandler Parsons, uh, Chandler Hutchinson were in their situation. So so Aminu um, makes just barely, a, a little bit less than uh, than, than Young. He's getting a ten point one million this coming season, and and he's also in the final year of his deal, so he can become a free agent next off season. There are several so because his salary is a little bit less, there's actually more opportunity for the Spurs to trade him to a team. Uh, into a trade exception without taking back salary uh, of other players. And so we still have the same teams. You have the Pelicans, the Celtics, the Magic. But now, I, you know, going by Basketball Insider's um, latest um, uh, updates, the, the Brooklyn Nets actually have a trade exception large enough to absorb uh, Alfred Aminu, and so do the Dallas Mavericks, two teams that are obviously, you know, playoff-level teams that maybe could add a veteran type of player and then, of course, there's the Oklahoma City Thunder, where you know they can open up cap space to absorb um, Aminu's uh, um, contract if if they, if they needed to. But my question is um, to you, Colin. You know, where do you, what do you think about the, these these type of teams with the trade exceptions, and where do you think these teams even see Aminu? Whereas Young has a lot more trade value right now because right. we know he's an impactful player. Teams haven't seen that level of play uh, or that production from Aminu in a few years. What are your thoughts on some of these teams uh, with their trade exceptions? Yeah, I think I think that a trade for Aminu is going to be difficult just because, you know, we have seen him kind of be a productive player and kind of one of those big wingy, like good defender players. Um, and, and that's that that was valuable when that was what he was. We just haven't seen that in a couple of years. And mm-hmm. so I think it's going to be difficult for a team to take that in 
for $10 million, I, especially like if he's being traded into a trade exception or into cap space. So like, because they're, those teams would be giving up their trade exceptions to be getting Aminu. And so I feel like the Spurs would have to send something along with it. Uh, same with the Thunder. The Spurs are getting helped out in that situation. The Thunder are giving up their cap space. So that one is just tough for me because I don't see kind of the benefit for those teams in doing it unless the Spurs were willing to attach some uh, draft capital, which I'm not uh, maybe too keen on them doing just to, to get rid of Aminu. Yeah, I agree with you there. You know, if the Spurs are having to send out assets to get rid of Amino's um, contract, I don't, I don't think they're they're doing that. They'd probably just, um, you know, wave them, right. wave him themselves. And, and so, yeah, so, so, you know, just based on on your answer there, I, I think you're basically saying that, yeah, like teams, whereas young teams are going to want him, yep. Amino, it's more so like the Spurs are going to have to get help to, to, for somebody to take his contract, kind of thing. So, so yeah, I, I agree with you there. So then, of course, that opens up the question: if the Spurs can't find a trade partner for Aminu, well, then do they look at maybe either waving him completely? or looking at a buyout. So what would a buyout look like for Aminu? Let's just say that the Spurs and Aminu agree to a buyout. It might look like Aminu gives back $2.6 million of his contract. And so basically the cap hit for the Spurs would be $7.5 million. And basically this would probably happen only if Aminu knew he had another um, deal lined up with another team for the veteran minimum so that basically he can make back that $2.6 million with his, his new team that he's going to sign with. So what are your thoughts on, on the chances of maybe a buyout if the Spurs can't find a trade partner for Aminu? Yeah, so that that is pretty interesting. Um, I I am wondering if they just that'd be I think like you said maybe if he had a minimum deal lined up, but I, I almost feel like they can just waive him kind of without any sort of giving back just because he this is the last year of his deal. Mm-hmm. Um, my understanding this is kind of something very esoteric and arcane that I I don't remember if I know for sure well enough, but my understanding is that even if um, a player is waived and not stretched on the books. His con, like he is paid out. It is waived what the team pays out to the player anyway. So like if he is waived with the 10.1 million, even if he's not stretched, the Spurs would still be paying him the three million over three years. It just doesn't hit the books that way. And so giving back the 2.6 million, I mean, obviously we're still talking about millions of dollars, mm-hmm. but when you're paying out that different, that's less than a million dollars a year, you know. So I don't know if that makes a huge difference to them. Um, because they're already over the cap as it is, and they're nowhere near the tax. So I, I almost feel like they can just waive him without a big deal. I mean, if, if Aminu is willing to give some back in a buyout, I guess that's willing. Like, they, they should be willing to have that discussion just to see what they can get. But if not, then I think they could waive him without worrying about it too much. So let's just do a, a little game here. Um, again, we're not reporting this. We're just having a conversation. Um, what, are, what are the what are the percent? Just give me a percentage of, of what you think that Aminu is ready, is actually still on this team by the time um, – uh, regular season opens up on October 20th. Okay, so the only way I could see Aminu on the team is if the Spurs are in the Ben Simmons trade and it's a three-for-one trade or something like that, a four-for-two okay. or something, where now the roster crunch is Philly's job to figure out, right? Like the, the Spurs yeah. figure out their roster crunch through a Ben Simmons trade. If that happens, then I think that there is maybe a small chance that Aminu is still on the roster, even though he could be good for salary matching purposes in that trade. But let's say he's not. And they just the Spurs just won another body because now they're at exactly 15. But I think so. That's basically the probability of the Simmons trade happening, and then the probability of him not being included. So I would say like five percent because if if okay. if that Simmons trade doesn't happen, I don't think there's any way he's on the roster unless there's another trade where they're sending out more players than they're taking in. But I yeah. I, I think other than that, there's no way he's on the roster. Okay, I'm with you. I'm liking that that five to ten percent chance that he that he's still on the team. 
uh, going into say opening of the season again because you know if if they don't either trade him or or, or, or waive him then um you know it, it's tough because then they would have to get rid of and let's just say they keep young as well well then they would have to get rid of two of their their younger their younger players that they that they like in terms of like Drew Eubanks and and Keita Bates jobs so so again you know I, I'm with you I kind of I think that's kind of the even though there's been no reporting on it you know that the Spurs are looking to buy him out or waive him or or even um you know there's no there's no trade rumors with him yet uh again I just I think we both feel that you know that's kind of he, he's probably the, the, the odd man out right now and then you know whoever that other player is whether it's young or somebody else that's just kind of you know what, what's going to happen you know what we're kind of thinking here and and you know that's that's going to be the interesting thing to watch these next few weeks is you know the spurs could have amino and young on on the training camp roster they could have them both on the um on the pre on the preseason game roster but you know sometime before october 18th they need to make a decision of who are they going to either trade or waive it has to be at least two players um, removed from this team so that they could take that roster down to 15 players and two two-way players by open by opening night of the regular season so again that'll be kind of something fun to watch there uh, in these next few weeks and see what see what happens and which decision the, the front office makes uh, with all these different players all right so thanks uh, thanks again to colin for joining me here in the spurs cast episode also the spurs cast listeners don't forget to visit projectspurs.com uh, we have a lot of we have a lot going on on the site um our latest piece is by uh, Jonas Clark. It's called Austin Spurs. Could the past predict the future with uh, coach with Nielsen gone? So this is about um, uh, the new assistant coach Nielsen, uh, you know, moving up from Austin up to the, up to the, the San Antonio organization. He's going to be on coach pops bench. Uh, Benjamin Bornstein also has a, a new piece called um, names to know in the 2022 NBA draft. We're winging it. So we're, Ben looks at a bunch of different prospects over on, on the, at the wing position. Um, Michael DeLeon wrote up the the the, um, the report when um, uh, the Spurs signed Akita Bates' job to his new two-year deal. I also wrote up um, the article on uh, the Spurs waving Chandler Hutchinson and what that means for the team. And then something else I've kind of added to the, to the not, not necessarily Project Spurs, but if you go to our YouTube channel, it's called Project Spurs Network TV. If you just subscribe there, I've been making these very short videos about, I'd say like three to five minutes where it's not, it's just kind of giving my thoughts on, um, you know, on, on whatever move the Spurs made. And, and, you know, instead of instead of having to wait until the, until we record a Spurs cast where we, we're obviously going to wait more more detail on the Spurs cast, but again, it's just quick thoughts uh, on, on different moves. So I have one on, on Hutchinson being waived and then also on beta jobs uh, re-signing with the team. So thanks again to Colin for joining me here on the Spurs cast and to Michael DeLeon for mixing this episode. From all of us at Project Spurs, stay safe and have a great day. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.